1: Terms and conditions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody
2: what's up and welcome into the monday edition of the pelicans podcast presented by scene week i'm daniel Salerson here at the Oxnard sports performance center in metairie and we have a round table discussion for you on this monday joining me jim eikenhoffer from pelicans.com todd graffinini radio voice of the new orleans pelicans and caroline gonzalez who does it all on the pelicans radio network you also see her on the pregame show inside the smoothie king center Unfortunately, we're going to be talking a lot about the Pelicans' loss yesterday to the Los Angeles Lakers, 122-114. to 114. I'll go around and just get your initial thoughts on the game to start with, and we'll start with Utah and work our way around. Looked pretty good for most of it. That fourth quarter is really what stuck out to me as the Pelicans are outscored by 10. Not a lot of execution down the stretch, but other than that, there were some positives to take away and then obviously some negatives as well.
1: Well, you know, on the broadcast with John DeShazer, we were just kind of perusing what was going on at the time, and and basically what we were watching last night was what we saw on Tuesday night in Los Angeles. It's 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 a team in the Pelicans that are right there, and I'm holding my index finger and my thumb pretty close. Thank you for the together. Well, I mean, this is a uh, this is not a, a, a video. Thank you. thank
3: you for the here, fans.
1: Caroline, but uh, we're close, but. We're just not quite there yet when you're talking about finishing games against the upper echelon teams. And that really is the difference. Now, of course, the Lakers have a guy that has been finishing for 17 years and LeBron James, who did it again last night, uh, a, a triple-double, his 13th of the season. But, you know, it, we just weren't able to finish. And you go back to Tuesday night in Los Angeles. We were 4-19 down the stretch and last night, we just weren't able to make shots. And I, I just think that's really the difference right now between the two teams. Because for three and a half quarters, you're right there, Jim. And I think you would concur. It's just that that one li- little extra push that the Pelicans have been short on. it. And actually, you go back to the game, the first one uh, in the Smoothie King Center, way back in November. Mm-hmm. Same exact deal.
0: Yeah, and I would delve even deeper into the season series that it's kind of to me it's a little bit reflective of the Pelican season overall I thought when they played outplayed the Lakers in the first meeting for a lot of that game that that was one of the best games that New Orleans had played at the time Um, they were playing in just that night specifically at least until the end I thought they were playing above their heads a little bit compared to the way that they started the season Um, now I'm not I'm not nearly as surprised when I see them be as competitive as they are in these last two games against the Lakers. So to me, that's a really good sign, and it shows you the the progress that they've made since the beginning of the season. Um, The second game against the Lakers was, I mean, the Lakers were up big. The Pelicans made a run, but it didn't really seem like the New Orleans really had much of a chance to win that game. So it's been kind of a steady improvement, I think, in the performance of the, even though at the end of the day, they're all losses. But to me, I definitely take something out of the way that the Pelicans have looked, they've looked, I think, a little bit better each time. And um, you would have loved to have gotten a win because obviously there's a potential that you could play them in the playoffs, and it would have been great to be able to say, hey, look back at that game we played on March 1st where we beat them. But, um, but I still think that they're they're making strides, and it's, to me, now over the last 22 games of the season, it's going to be a matter of how much more can you keep going in that direction.
3: You guys have been a part of a lot more basketball, professional basketball games than I have been, but. For me, last night that was the most fun game that I've ever seen in person. Mm. Um, I got borderline unprofessional yesterday because I was, uh, you know, not doing. It's pretty easy for me, you know. They say no cheering in the in the press box, and you don't want to be unprofessional and get up and hoot and holler and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But there are a few times, especially when Derek Favors would do- would do something or Zion would do something, I kind of wanted to stand up and kind of flex my arms a little bit and be like, "Yeah, let's go," <laughs> um, because the game was so competitive and you could just see that battle from every single Pelicans player from tip-off and it was so competitive and there was such a sense of urgency so that was really fun for me to see and I think another thing that was interesting for me to see is that What we've seen all year and from the beginning from Zion Williamson is that he is not afraid to be his own person. Um, And I think that has carried through to this point. Like he, yes, he respects LeBron James. He respects, you know, the high caliber players in the league, but he doesn't necessarily. Um, get frightened by them. He rises to the occasion when he has to play against those high-caliber players, and he likes that. He said from the beginning all he wants to do is go out there and play basketball, and that's what you saw from him last night. He rose to the occasion. He was competitive, and he attacked the glass, and he did exactly what you wanted him to do from a player. And I think, to Jim's point, it came down to um, veteran players – in the end on the on the Lakers doing what they know how to do LeBron knows how to score in the end he knows how to get to the basket and you have guys on the Pelicans team who are younger and yes they can get to the basket but they haven't had that experience in end game situations that the Lakers team had of getting to the basket scoring things like that so those are some of the things that stood out to me.
2: I think Zion Williamson is ready for this Zion versus LeBron James talk to end yeah. because we've heard it all through this week, Jim, and just articles written about whether he spoke to him or not or if who approached who, and it just kind out of got out of hand a little bit and kind of the point of why is everyone making such a big deal out of this, whether they talk afterwards or what Zion thinks of LeBron or what LeBron thinks of Zion, like feel like this was blown way out of proportion here, and I, I'm sure that Zion is, is happy that this conversation can come to an end, at least for the last 22 games.
0: I mean, the other night, I w- I think everyone was happy when the conversation ended that night because it was just getting kind of nauseating, to be honest with you. It was just like, how many more questions can you ask this guy? I mean, it happened in L.A., and then it happened again um, here after the Cleveland game. But, I mean, I don't want, mean to go into a rant here, but – there's so many – It's it, to me, it's another example of how we're getting so out of control with not talking about basketball part of it. Why do we have to be so obsessed with all of this other stuff that doesn't have anything to do with basketball, especially since there's so many things to talk about? Like there's an endless list. We could spend five hours talking about just Zion or just the Pelicans or just the NBA this season. So why do we have to go into this route – of talking specifically like as you alluded to who talked to who who approached who it's like what is this high school yeah it's 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 insane to me it's like you're talking about two grown men of whether they communicated with each other whether they it's like oh did he did he answer his phone call did he text him back it's like so absurd how have we gotten to this point in twenty twenty.
3: You know what? I'm gonna take the blame for that. It's us millennials. We really are not the best. We we've just taken it out of control with social media and we just we we find problems with everything. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the fall for that. I I apologize. Isn't
2: it amazing though that back in the day though this was not even a discussion with players because most of the time they during the season they wouldn't be talking back and forth. They were enemies during the right. season and if some of them were friends maybe off season that's something else. But like I know Giannis Tedekumbo is a big believer as far as not working out with you know, players that he doesn't play with. Um, I think that mentality has changed a little bit since back in the day, but back in the day we didn't have these conversations about who spoke to who and when and where and why.
0: Also, I've spent my whole career in the media, so understand that perspective. I'm not trying to dis- to trash media, but it makes when situations like this happen, it makes me totally understand the perspective of players and athletes who say, along the lines of what you just said, Daniel, if I'm buddy-buddy with the with some of the other players, media people jump in, fans jump in and say, "Hey, you're too you're being too friendly with them." But then when this happens and these guys aren't automatically like writing each other love letters from day 1, they're like, "Well, how come you're not friends with them?" Mm-hmm. So it's like it, that makes me understand and that should make everyone kind of get even more the perspective that some of of the athletes players have of saying like, "I'm at the point where I don't care what the media thinks because I can't win either way." And it's like so absurd that you you went from, you went from, I think, I can't speak for everyone, but I think most people, from my perspective, I don't want the players to all be buddies with each other. No. I'd rather have, when people were talking about the Giannis, James Harden beef, I was saying more beefs, less, less buddies in the NBA. And I think that's what people want. So how have we, how did you get it? You turn it completely 100% around where you're asking Zion basically accusatory questions about how come you haven't. Approached LeBron yet? How come you haven't talked to him yet? It's, it's, I just don't understand how it got there.
3: I think it's the age thing. If I could just interject real quick, I think it's the age thing. I think it's a new player who is a, what has been called a generational talent. And you're talking about LeBron who is. another generational talent and he's not necessarily being phased out i mean we saw the caliber of talent last night so he's he's still got it but you're talking about a new player versus an older player and i i think people want to compare greatness and sure and people want zion to be to be more publicly respectful to lebron and say hey man he's great i think you know he's an awesome player loved watching him when i was growing up of course, he watched him when he was growing up. If you're watching basketball, you watch LeBron James growing up. But he it doesn't mean he has to say, "Oh man, you know, I look up to him so much. He's my favorite player ever." You know, I don't think that's necessary.
1: That's not his responsibility either. And you want to aggravate athletes? Start pestering them about other athletes. Yeah, they 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 will have none of it, and, and it's gonna it's gonna turn the people off that you're talking to with the media mm-hmm. at the same time. So. Just, you know, uh, not, Jim, you said it great. You just – enough is enough. Not, enough is enough. They, not, they've played. It's done with. Let's get on with the rest of the season.
0: Not to mention, why does everyone have to be the same? Why does everyone have to be um, in love with all the other 400-something players? Why, does, why is it ne- a negative if you don't want – like, everyone can be different. That's the part that, like, Caroline, you said, you know, people want him to be more publicly res- respectful towards LeBron or other players. Like, why? Right. Why does everyone have to – no one should have. To, no one should have to follow what someone else thinks that they should do in every situation. I love the fact that Giannis is like, I'm not working out with other players during the summer. I'm not going to be friends with all the guys I'm competing with. So it's like, that that's the part that I just don't get. Is like, you're forcing, you're forcing the way you see things on someone else. It, it like, let's just leave each other alone. So it 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 it's just. It got out. It got to the point of absurdity the other day.
2: On uh, Wednesday, we'll figure out whether Zion has Luka Doncic's phone number and see if they make a text <laughs> since you know today. So we'll find out that on Wednesday. We'll ask that Jim. I'll make you ask that question yeah. to Zion as far as and then on Oh yeah, I'm ask all, him all over that. Jimmy Butler. Ask the question then buddies. duck.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. Let's move on to some play on the court, and uh, I want to talk about Lonzo Ball a little bit because I think he's been playing great recently for the Pelicans as far as the way he's been distributing the basketball, of course, some of his lobs is Zion from 75 feet away. Obviously this, um, his aggressiveness last night, I feel like we're, you know, we've seen the growth of Lonzo throughout this whole year. He talked about the importance of being healthy, but when you're looking at the last week or since the all-star break, uh, Todd, I'll start with you. I feel like Lonzo, you're just seeing a different side of Lonzo and it's really been working out right now. He's
1: just, he's comfortable. He's comfortable. And you talked about it. He's healthy. And he is running the offense exactly the way Alvin Gentry wants him to run the offense. He's got complete freedom, and if he makes a careless pass or or, or or one of those live ball turnovers, I think that that coach is willing to let it go because he's doing what he wants him to do. And you'll take that one negative with all the positives that go along with it. And you know, you think of how many games this year he has been one assist away or one rebound away from a double double or a triple double last night. He's one rebound and one assist away from a triple double. So he's been right on the cups many, many times. Um, But look, he's just, he is blossoming right now. He's playing his best basketball and he's got so much room to grow. And he's the thing is like this team, they're going up, they're Mm -hmm. on the ascendancy and, and that's, The fun part about it is just to watch him get better each and every night.
3: Yeah, I I think to your point, he has the freedom to do whatever he wants in Alvin Gentry's offense, and I think that's his comfort zone. But I think the thing that I like the most about him is his head is always up, and his his vision is always very clear. How many times, especially recently, have we seen the full court uh, pass, Lonzo Breeze? you know, and, and he, he's not just throwing it kind of on a whim to a general area where the player might be. He is throwing it in stride to these players. We saw one from Drew Holiday last night where he took one step and got it to the basket. You know, credit to Drew Holiday for catching the, the pass and putting it in. But he is online with a lot of these passes, and especially in tight situations, Lonzo's getting the pass exactly in in the hands and where a player can catch it and put it up with ease and I think that's the hardest thing to do as a point guard is get the ball in tight spaces and get it to to the player in an area where they can score the basketball easily and so um you know I have a lot of respect for what Lonzo's doing and I think when you have a guy like Zion Williamson who can do those things uh, it makes it a lot easier but it's certainly fun to see.
0: Yeah, as Todd said, I mean, there's always kind of a risk analysis that you have to make when you throw some of these long passes, but one of the things that I love to see, and it happened multiple times in the first few minutes of the Cleveland game, was seeing the other team basically looking over their head, saying, like, what the heck is going on? Why is someone throwing a 50-foot pass over mm-hmm. my head? And I think it's it forces them to be so much more um, – concerned about their transition defense that in some ways I think especially a team like Cleveland where they really try to attack the offensive boards I think sometimes when you get beat down the court as much as they do it makes them more hesitant to throw every bring everybody at the offensive boards because you have to make sure that you have guys back so I mean he did that Lonzo did that against the Lakers as well a few times Um, I think the Lakers did a better job of getting back they're a lot more cohesive in, in every way probably defensively compared to Cleveland but um just fun to see just putting that kind of pressure on the other team
1: well you think about if if, if some of the great point guards in the past have done this uh, like a Magic Johnson or a John Stockton are they throwing three-quarter court baseball passes or chess passes from the free throw line I've never seen anything like it because mm-hmm. he is deadly deadly accurate and I'm all about a I, I'm a process guy and I'm thinking Well, is he across the parking lot right now practicing this? (laughs) I mean, seriously, it's just—it's uncanny because he is rarely, rarely ever off target. It's—it's really unbelievable to watch. He just has
0: a very instinctive feel for basketball. His anticipation is great. There's a lot of times where the ball comes to him and immediately it's like a touch pass to somebody else. So I don't—I don't think he's in the gym. Practicing his 50 foot, 60 foot passes, but I think he's done it so much that it's just a natural thing that he doesn't even have to think about anymore.
3: If I can throw something in the air, a baseball pass, and see if anyone catches it, I would like to see him attacking the basket a little bit more because I think in the Portland game, you and I noticed that he wasn't—he was attacking the basket, and even though he was open, he still was passing it out to try to, you know, get an assist. And he find did the last open night. Man. He
1: did last. He did night. last
3: night, and I think early on, I don't know if he, you know. This is my very humble opinion, but I don't know if he was trying to prove to the Lakers that he could shoot, you know, because he has improved his shot so much, but sometimes it seemed like he was forcing shots a little bit. And B I talked about that after the game, he was kind of forcing shots a little bit. And instead of letting the game come to him, but I would like to see Lonzo attacking the basket more. So he is more of a threat. And so that, that his defender has to respect him a little bit more. So you're not seeing as much cheating to other players, but regardless, he's going to find the open man.
1: Go ahead. I, I just, I'd really – and I'm glad we played the Lakers four times and and, and we're done with them. Hopefully we'll see them again in April. But I still think there is a little anxiety with Mm -hmm. those three guys that came over when they're playing their former team, when you're talking about Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart, because the shooting numbers back that up. I mean, when is Brandon Brandon Ingram going one for nine from three? I mean, it just doesn't happen. So I I just think – once this year is over and all the the hoopla with those guys coming over from the trade it is down, I think the next time that you play the Lakers, they'll be a little bit more relaxed. And like you say, Caroline, let the game come to them and try, instead of trying to force an issue.
2: Yeah, and B.I. talked about that last night. As He said he felt like he was kind of pressing a little bit, wanting to do a little too much, and it's got to let the game come to him a little bit. But you mentioned Lonzo and his aggressiveness. We talked, you saw it last night. I think a lot of the times when he was aggressive last night, it was in transition, and he saw a one-on-one opportunity and took it right to the hole. Sometimes where he gets in trouble is maybe when there's two or three guys in traffic, and instead of maybe trying to go up and force a foul, that's when he makes the pass, and whether it's a jump pass or an errant pass. But last night, as soon as he saw a one-on-one opportunity, he had the confidence to go to the rim, and that's where he saw some of his fast-break points.
1: And the Pels did really value the basketball much more last night than they did in the previous three meetings. We did get a little loose, though, as the game wore on. We only had one turnover in the first quarter, and that's exactly what Alvin Gentry wanted. But, boy, you know, every time the Pelicans make a mistake against the Lakers, it's going back the other way. The Lakers are not a fast-break team. They're just not. But when you when you make live ball turnovers against them, they're going to convert, and that's two games in a row now they've had at least 36 fast-break points.
2: Yeah, 34-and-a-half. Uh, average in the last two games it was 33 okay. last night, 36 okay. the other night. But yeah, you're right. You're right around the same thing there as far as the fast break opportunities. Um, a couple more things before we get out of here. Let's Talk about the injury to J.J. Redick and what this means for this Pelicans ball club. Out at least two weeks with that hamstring strain. Obviously, that is your best shooter on the team, second in the NBA as far as three-point field goal percentage. So now the question is, as far as rotations, we saw nine guys last night, and one of those guys was Frank Jackson, who only played five minutes. So you really only played eight guys, um, who's got to step up, who maybe plays and maybe hasn't played in the while, or does Alvin just maybe stick with eight? Jim, I'll start with you as far as what the Pelicans need to do to kind of make up for the shooting loss with J.J. Reddick being
0: out. I definitely don't think that you're going to go with an eight-man rotation with this many games left in the season. I mean, eight-man rotation to me is more of a playoff thing because you have all the extra days in between games, and obviously the, the importance of every single second of the game is – goes way up compared to the regular season Um, so I I think it's going to be a matter of other guys are going to have to play more and 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 fill in more Um, it was interesting to me we talked about this you and I Daniel on the pregame report yesterday about JJ being out but they've been able to the Pelicans have been able to shoot well and have good games even some of the nights where he hasn't produced a lot but it was interesting that the very first game that he's out with this injury, they had the third-worst three-point shooting shooting percentage of the entire season shot, 21% from three-point range. So, I mean, I, I said before the game, you know, they have enough other shooters that they can make up for it. But unfortunately, right off the bat, there were a lot of cases last night where they could have used him in different situations. And Todd mentioned how, you know, playing against the Lakers, the, the three three guys that came from there press have pressed a little bit more. It does seem like if you had another guy, kind of a release valve, an outlet guy that could make some threes, that that would have taken away some of the heat off of some of the other players. It seemed like Brandon Ingram's one for nine. A lot of those were tough shots, those threes that he took. So, and in general, I, they missed open shots, but they also give the you got to give the Lakers credit defensively that they made some they made them take some tough ones. But I mean, obviously, JJ being there, he's played in a million playoff games that would have helped. or averaging
1: 14 makes a game 14 made threes per game Mm -hmm. going back to Mardi Gras night we made eight you go back last night made seven I mean can't you can't shoot 20 in the 20s and and beat the Lakers you just it can't happen gotta make threes
3: Yeah, I agree. And you asked who do we think is going to step up. I think it's going to be Etwan Moore. I agree. um, Because I I think he is a a solid professional who knows uh, what he needs to do and come in off the bench and do what he needs to do, and I think he's just a an all-around solid guy that's going to give you 15 points a game. And you don't really need much. You don't need a guy that's going to score 30 points a game. You just need a guy that can shoot outside. That can, you know, the the defender is going to respect enough to be a threat from the outside. He can attack the basket. We've all seen his floater, so um, I think he's going to be a guy that really steps up for this Pelicans team. It was interesting to see Frank Jackson go in the game last night because I think his defense has improved a lot, and we've seen him kind of mimic Drew Holiday's defense. So, um, as you said, I don't know if we're going to go to an eight-man rotation, but I'd like to see Etuan step up. And here's
1: the other thing. You know, it it wasn't the case last night where you're just jacking threes up, okay, just for the sake of jacking them up. Well, we have 26 made free throws last night. Yeah. We got the ball inside, Mm -hmm. okay? It's just a a case of if you got looks, you got to knock some of them down, at least some of them down and give yourself a chance so it wasn't a case where you're jacking up 45 threes just to to try to to get back in the game no the ball was going inside and we were getting to the free throw line and how about Nico Melli down that stretch had those four big free throws in a row when the game was still very much in doubt and uh, I mean he was going at it last night with Dwight Howard (laughs) Uh, and, and Dwight Howard he, he was frustrated. Uh, oh, man, it, it's but see, that's what you want to see. You want to see these two teams going at it. Have a little have a little bad blood, if you will. I'm not talking about throwing haymakers and stuff like that, but <laughs> but have a little competitive edge. And and, and I, lo- I I really love to see Nico just not back down there.
3: You guys weren't in the locker room, but afterwards, Nico was talking to Jalil Okafor and uh, he was he was talking about him defending Dwight, and he was like, yeah, every time he was complaining that I, he, I was holding him, I was. I, I had no chance, and he just kind of <laughs> looked at him like, I couldn't do anything. I was holding him, but it, it was pretty funny.
2: Yeah, that was a, it was a good matchup yesterday, and you can te- definitely tell that Dwight was definitely getting frustrated yes. with Nico,
0: but Nico was holding his own, and that's what you want to see. I have your own guy. Do you think Nico and Dwight are friends? Do you think they, they Absol- talk to each other? Yeah, they I probably mean,
3: text all the time. I bet you know, they had dinner after the game. They <laughs> had spaghetti and meatballs Oh, that makes me after. feel good then.
0: Oh, I feel so much more relieved <laughs> about the game to know that they're friends.
3: How I've, awesome is it to see the type of player Nico is off the court and then see how competitive he is on the court? Because he's gotten yeah. feisty in a lot of games. I, I like it.
1: And I tell sure. you what, he's been a he's becoming an integral part of this team. Yeah. I mean, he really, really and is. It's, he's it's, averaging double figures now for about – uh, almost a month, so he he's somebody that you're you're beginning now to count on night after night. And
0: it was funny last summer. Have none of us knew him at all? We didn't know much <laughs> about him at, as as a player or a person. To hear everyone talk about how the people that knew him, Darius Miller, Trajan Langdon, talk about how good of a dude he is and how funny he is and how well liked he's been on all of his teams. I think we've totally seen that happen here. The players love him. Like just anytime he does anything positive, you hear like everyone. Talking about how happy they are for it. When he's had a couple dunks, the bench has been <laughs> almost running on the court. They had yeah. to like hold each other back. So so yeah, he's uh he's been such a such a positive. It's been great to see, especially after he went through a stretch earlier in the season where he wasn't playing that much. And Todd and Nico are best friends now.
1: That's like. my guy. Yeah. That's the only
3: reason he Paizan. has a goatee. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Nico Melly goatee. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, let's talk about this week's schedule. Another very important week for the Pelicans. You have Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow night. Tickets are still available at pelicans.com. We need to get the smoothie kicks in a rocking like it was on Friday and Sunday. Really got to give props to the city and the fans out there. It was really loud both nights, but we need it. There's still one more game on this homestand. Let's encourage everyone to get out there tomorrow night. So you have the Timberwolves on Tuesday. A tough back-to-back with the Mavericks on Wednesday. Remember, a change in the start time, 8.30, because it's now on ESPN. The another tough game. yeah late games on the back-to-back hey <laughs> and then friday another tough matchup with the miami heat also on national television and then sunday you begin a four-game road trip in minneapolis to take on the timberwolves so if you look at the schedule guys you know i think the swing game might be that dallas mavericks game a pretty important game or it could be that miami game but i think in these situations you would love to say a goal of three and one this week with maybe if you are going to have a loss in there to dallas or miami but You know, now you're three back of the Grizzlies, and, you know, the more games you play, the margin of error is pretty slim. So um, it's a pretty winnable week, but also a very tough week in the same sense.
1: I'm still waiting for your so-called schedule to was, just back up to you. I, I, I just you know, you've been saying this since November, Daniel, and I, I just and have, like, I have not it. seen it happen. We have yet. like
3: what, twenty games yet? 22. Every week we're like, this is a big you know, week. I, looking oh, at it's the, a big week from the censor. Correct.
1: I, I'm just games. I'm just teasing you. But no, it is amazing. I mean, you look at the schedule behind you, Daniel, and of course you're you're starting in October and but, man. It's going to be a long year, and now we're on the second to last month. We literally have a month and a half left in the season. It's unbelievable how fast it's going. So
2: then I get rid of you?
1: It's almost over, Caroline. Your dream is nearly complete. We, so
2: we have the after the All Star break, we have the easiest schedule. So it's not just me making when, it up. Right. When
1: and why and how I haven't seen this it yet. This
2: team has won 15 of their last 16 against the bottom 18, and I'll continue to say that no, stat as long as we play them. But look,
1: I, I I hate to admit it, but I was listening to you guys when I was driving home last I night in the post game show. Um, but uh, to other people <laughs> <laughs> at some included. no at some point, we're going to have to win some games that we're not expected to win, and I think Wednesday night is a prime example. I mean, Dallas is really really taking care of us this year. They really haven 't been much of matchups at all. That would be one that you would really, really enjoy going in and, and kind of stealing one, if you will
0: I think if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint um three of the games against Dallas were the, the three games played so far were pretty early in the season. And I think the Pelicans Good were point. A completely Good different point. team. Good point. They didn't have Zion. Obviously I think favors probably missed a couple of those mm-hmm. games. If yep. not all of them, um, he definitely played in the first of the games against them. The last but, time
1: we were in Dallas, I've actually wiped that away from the uh, Oh, yeah, the that was We have stricken that from the record, yes. yeah. if you will. I
0: don't know if we called the second half while we were there. Just, <laughs> we oh, walked out in the I parking remember. lot for really a little evil. while, yeah. <laughs> took a few deep we breaths. We there in silence, yeah. I think, for a little bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> At least it was a day game and we got to get home earlier. Yeah, it was
0: pretty brutal. <laughs> but I, I think, though, that, um, Todd, I have good news for you. You am all about, about it. You were asking about when does the schedule get easier. As Daniel referenced, easiest schedule after the All Star break in the NBA, of the last 15 games of the season, right now, if you look at the standings, 14 of those teams have losing records. So nice. now it's a it's slightly misleading because I think some of those teams are playing really well, and two of the games <laughs> right. are against Memphis. But come on, Jim, let me have this. But <laughs> um, we can delete this part of his of me talking <laughs> going back against right. what I said. But no, I mean, there's no way that you can look at the schedule. The last part of the season and say and have any complaints about it in terms of the difficulty of opponent. Um, if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs, it's going to be because yes, we they need to win some games against good teams, like you said. But if, as Daniel referenced, if they continue to win at the rate that they have been, where they've won ninety five percent of their games against teams with losing records, I mean, if you if you win, hypothetically speaking, if you win those four, if you win fourteen games of those teams against losing records. Um, that's four you end up with forty wins. Is is forty wins gonna get you in the playoffs? I'm not sure. It might. But and that that's setting aside like the other games that they could win, you know, in this next stretch of seven games. So if you I mean, one way to look at it is you have this week the four games you're coming up, and then after that you the end of that road trip is really interesting because not only do you play Utah and the Clippers in a back to back, but before that you play against Sacramento, which as time has gone on, that game has become increasingly They're interesting. Right now. You have
3: Utah and Clippers on a back-to-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting easier.
0: Sheesh. But that's that's the very okay. end, that's the of end of the seven-game stretch call. I'm talking about. that's that He doesn't
3: know what the heck he's talking about. So then,
0: but then you go after that back-to-back. <laughs> you go into the final 15 games. Got it. So and that's Got
2: seven it. games that's away. That's when it'll get so easier. So I can't wait for when we have the last 15. I go. The schedule's lightened up
3: <laughs> by the second half of the season, getting uh, easier. He meant the second half of the second half of the season. That's and what, look,
1: know. and just to, to build on the point, to come out against the teams that you're supposed to on paper, you're supposed to beat. come visual. out, you know, again, I'm trying to, you know, this is, this is an audio medium, so I'm trying to combine things here, but come out with the energy that you did on Friday against Cleveland and you came out last night with energy as well. You just didn't make the shots that you made against Cleveland early on. So come out with that mentality each and every night, and you're going to be okay.
2: And look, we still have to talk about, out of these last 22 games, two against Sacramento, three against San Antonio, two against Memphis. That's seven of your 22 against teams that you're still battling. You already clinched the season series over Portland, who seems to be sliding a little bit. Um, but at the same time, those might be the difference, and not the ones that we're talking about as far as the teams under 500. But if you win those games or a good chunk of those games, plus the games against teams that are 500, you should be in pretty good shape. But still a long way to go here.
0: It's Todd. gonna It's gonna be a great evaluation process, I think, of the team. We're gonna be able to learn a lot about them over the this last part of the season, just because, like you said, they play so many teams that are in the same kind of segment of the sta- section of the standings that the Pelicans are in um I know we talked a lot about the Lakers so we're guilty of this a little bit too but um I think one thing that I'm, I'm looking forward to is just playing against the Lakers I'm glad one of the reasons I'm glad it's over as as Todd mentioned is that um I do think that people and hopefully I'm not guilty of this as well but people do get a, did get a little bit carried away with evaluating, making sweeping statements about the Pelicans based on those two games. For example, I talked to somebody the other day who was, or after the game yesterday, who was complaining about the way the team's played, and I'm like, you know, what games have you watched? And, you know, they've been playing really well for the last couple months. Which games have you watched? Well, I only watched the game, the two games against the Lakers. <laughs> the two and losses like, out of the right, Oscar, it's right. like, so it's like, let's calm down a little bit. Let's not get out of control here. Let's take a step back and remember how young this team is. Um, and the... Albin Gentry referenced this after the game last night, that the measuring stick and the bar that they're trying to reach right now is not the Lakers. Exactly. And it's 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 getting a little bit absurd to act like, okay, this team that started out six and twenty two and one and seven now is already like, okay, if they don't beat the best team in the league, if they're not at that level right now, this second, when your leading scorer is nineteen years old and your all star is twenty two, um, I just think it it's it'll be Good to take a step back and look at things a little bit more reasonably, and I think with the schedule that they have coming up, where they play so many teams that are right around the same level, it'll be a little bit more accurate way to kind of assess their progress.
1: I've said this for about a month now. I, I think the goal is to get to 500 by the end of the season. If you can start out six and 22 and end up 40, at least 41 and 41. Mm. If you don't make the playoffs, so be it. Uh, I just think that's a remarkable turnaround. And when when you start out that far below 500, then you start having to count on other teams. That, that's tough to do. And Alvin Gentry said that a- after the game last night you st- or, or after the game on Friday. Uh, you start trying to pull against Memphis and pull against it, you're going to be disappointed each and every time. you got to control what you can control. And if you get to 500, and you fall a little bit short well you know what you made a heck of a run but what happened in November was just a little bit too much to overcome that to me I think should be the goal of this season and look if you get to 500 you're going to give yourself a pretty darn good chance to get in
3: I was hoping you could give us a a a swoosh sound like a ball going into a basket sound since you've been so good with the sound effects (laughs) the facial expression was way better than the sound effect okay good
2: (laughs) Well, as we talking about just worry about ourselves, I will give you all homework tonight because let's we'll scoreboard watch tonight a little bit. I'm all about
1: scoreboard watching. I can do that with the best of them.
2: Three teams in action that you are chasing for that playoff spot: the Portland Trail Blazers at Orlando tonight, the Memphis Grizzlies at Atlanta, and the Indiana Pacers at San Antonio. So go Hawks, go Magic, go Pacers tonight. We'll rely on that Southeast Division again, which we did the other night as well. We got some help last week. As the Hawks defeated the Portland Trail Blazers and the Magic almost beat the Spurs, so we'll see if we can get both of them tonight. Chance
1: of me watching three games at the same time: one hundred percent.
2: Don't text me. <laughs> Don't.
3: You're not allowed to text. Me. He saves those for me. I'm
1: no saving word. those for Daniel. And uh, I, I, I got greedy last week. I, I, it paid off. I did not do anything the other night when we, when I was watching the Memphis Laker game. There's a little expression that uh, Daniel and I. Kind of you. Well, I use to Daniel, but I'm I'm not going to make that public at this particular time because I don't want to mess things up. But let's just say I'm three for three when I use it. But I did not get greedy against the Memphis. Uh, uh, with the Memphis Laker game just because I didn't want it to to use it up too much. Yep, has
2: got to pick your spots. So we'll <laughs> I'm see picking if, spots. We'll <laughs> see if it works. We'll update you on that on our next podcast. We're big, not superstitious, just a little superstitious. Not suspicious. at all, not at all. A big thanks to Caroline Gonzalez, Todd Graffinini, and Jim Eichenhoff for this podcast presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing. With SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps if you are a new user to SeatGeek our listeners can get $20 off their first purchase use code GOPELS all one word all caps at checkout SeatGeek score the best deals on tickets we'll have another podcast for you on Wednesday getting you ready for Wednesday's matchup between the Pelicans and the Mavericks of course we'll have another one on Friday as well getting you ready for Pelicans and Heat thanks for joining us today and we'll talk to you on Wednesday this is the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek